Hey guys. Hey guys. It's Nurse D. And Nurse C. And we're back with another episode of... My turn? Stethoscopes oh, no. and suitcases. Stethoscopes I got and suitcases. it. <laughs> All right. This is SNS with DNS. Straight healthcare content from the best. Just two RNs all day and night. One at the bed, one catch a flight. I'm busy scheduling classes or even clocking in. Don't forget to listen from beginning to the end. We're here to talk, we're here to listen. This podcast is truly hitting from daily news to nursing world. Adjust your volume because here we go. And now it's time for Ain't, Ain't That, that some, some Shit. Oh, shit. All right, so just to well, I was just to follow up really quick. We talked about um, Staples and Home Depot offering to laminate uh, vaccine cards, and another article followed up right behind it from CNN, and it says you should think twice before laminating your vaccine card. And this is as of April fourth, it was written, and it says vaccine eligibility in the U.S. is expanding quickly, and so is the popularity of the Center of Disease Control and Prevention's little white card. Those little white cards that all, all of us have taken pictures of. And it says, while plans to establish standardized vaccine, vaccination proof are still being developed, many are holding their, va- their COVID-19 vaccine card as a potential form of social currency. It says, and companies like Staples and Office Depot are offering to help keep them safe with free lamination so the the article kind of goes on and telling you about how like it's tempting to you know want to laminate your card but they talked to a provider and um just said this it says double check your information if you're getting um a two-dose vaccine make sure that you receive both um and document both before you laminate your card and it also to make sure that your name date of birth and your location of the vaccine and the date is correct um dr Wynn, who they or i'm sorry doctor yeah dr Wynn, who they um interviewed is an emergency physician and a public health professor at gw um and she well George washington university excuse me and she states um that it's it's a good practice to actually take a picture of your card the first dose and then the second dose take a picture of the card as well and then keep it in a safe place like you would keep like your birth certificate social security card all of that and then lastly she states that you can laminate it but only after you do those steps to keep it safe um and then in closing it says what to do if your card gets damaged or lost. There are concerns that the lamination process might damage cards, smudging the ink or making it illegible. But even if your card is damaged in the lamination process, there are options. In the case of damage um, or a lost card, it says you'll need to contact your vaccine provider and get another one. Um, also, it says you can contact the CDC directory um, of state health department immunization uh information system which is like the vis viis system you can always um contact them they should have record of your vaccine um as far as this saying, as far as proof it says lamination is not necessary for the card as long as you have it um with you it's fine and just make sure you don't share it on social media as before um, and it says if you end up getting a boot, I know it says you end up getting a booster after you can always get a different card. Um, so they're not sure if they're going to be futures are going to be holding for 
boosters? Is it going to be good for six months like the flu shot is? Or is it kind of like a thing where, like, who knows what the future has to hold? And um, this article is just basically stating that um, to just be careful with your card, not to post it on social media. Um, I also think of a whole HIPAA thing, too. Like, how can people request the card from you or request you to have proof of the vaccine um, to enter their facility i mean i know a lot of places are so privately owned but that's what i'm saying that goes back to what we were talking about last week like mm-hmm. how is this why is this becoming such a thing why are people perseverating on this topic like yes we know what's mm-hmm. going on yes we can't help but to talk about it but why is this becoming the thing like why is how, why have we taken on it's this trend like of, the hot topic is always yeah. diarrhea of the mouth with this topic i know and then so how long be, before they're gonna be sold on the black market like hey i got them i mean i've already seen cards. people talking about they got vaccine no i've seen plenty of people saying they stole the cards and giving them out so wow. you know it, it's just so hard to kind of keep up with the whole vis documentation yeah. like how we document kids getting vaccines so i think it'll take some time for people to get caught for that right. um it's just too much to, to deal with and having to, like to double check and verify like it just holds up the process so right now people that have fake, fake cards are going to get away with it um for the time being probably mm-hmm. honestly to the end of the year but you will be caught just like any other time everything else, you may not get yeah. caught today you may get caught tomorrow but you will get caught so right. uh, i would think <laughs> twice before because then that's falsifying documentation and you're lying and you're yeah. going into a place where you could potentially expose other people. So yeah. if you're going to lie about the car, make sure you get that COVID uh, swab done every week at least. That's my two cents. All right. So, guys, for today's article for Ain't, some that, ain't that Some Shit, Ain't Some That Some. Ooh, tongue twister. Um, this is titled, New Treatment May Help Women in Early Menopause Remain Fertile. Um, this says an experimental treatment may restore fertility during early menopause, a small new study claims. Typically, menopause ends a woman's ability to get pregnant, but researchers report that administering platelet-rich plasma and hormones called gonadotropins might stimulate ovulation to make pregnancy possible. The most surprising finding in this work is the awakening of the sleeping beauty, restoration of ovulatory function after menopause. Sorry, guys. I hear the ambulance is coming. Said the lead researcher, Dr. Chao Chen Su, from the Department of OBGYN and National Taiwan University Hospital, University Hospital in Taipei. As women enter menopause, their ovaries lose normal function and there are less than 1,000 retained immature ovarian follicles. These immature follicles are typically resistant to gonadotropin or other stimulants, he said. More women are delaying pregnancy until it becomes problematic, and about 12% of women experience early menopause when ovarian function ceases at or before age 45. These women usually need donor eggs to have a chance of becoming pregnant, but techniques that stimulate ovarian function might make it possible for a woman to become pregnant without donor help. The researchers think that these preliminary results may one day give hope to women in early menopause and that they may get pregnant through in vitro fertilization using their own eggs. Although platelet-rich plasma has been tried in women whose ovaries aren't working, only a a few pregnancies and births have resulted. In this pilot study, however, when 12 women's ovaries were injected with platelet-rich plasma and gonadotrophins, 11 started to menstruate again and one became pregnant. This treatment is another scenario for women early in menopause who, and those of impending ovarian failure, to have better opportunity to conceive using their own eggs, Sue said. Our study showed regain of follicle growth with elevated levels of the ovarian hormone 
estradiol, estradiol, estradiol. There you go. I couldn't spit it out. Thank you. And menopause women who receive our treatment, resulting in rejuvenation for early menopause women, Sue said. All right, so the article goes on and on and on, but I think I get the big part of it out. And I really think that's amazing. Um, I myself have not had any issues trying to conceive, and I thank God for that. Um, because I know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put that down. I know there's many women who do. Um, some of them being like close family or whatever and whatever it takes I know like the heartbreak and the despair that they feel when they do have these troubles sometimes and it's not working out for them um, this, something like this is amazing this just goes to show that science is just it just oh, sheesh hold on and for those that just don't know, gonadotropin is a hormone that is secreted in the pituitary gland, which is um, in the brain, of course. And this hormone actually increases what's called your luteinizing hormone, which is um, like how you like how when your egg is released, that it's all in conjunction and like how women get pregnant. So like the the HCG that you hear and people are like, oh, I have to take an HCG test or a yeah. um a pregnancy test that's the hormone that, that they're talking about so that's um that plays a huge part in women releasing eggs and eggs are being um uh, follicles being uh, of substance to actually right. um, something have a useful child. to actually bear a child yeah so i think this is amazing um i'm really interested to see how it unfolds and you know what happens with that one pregnancy because that's huge especially for someone who had reached menopause and Cycles have completely stopped, so that's good for them. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, that is ain't that some shit for the week. <laughs> and um, now we'll go into our next. All right, we going. What a money reside. What a money reside. What a money right, reside. What a money reside. Okay, <laughs> topic let me of the week. Time for our topic of the week. So, um, this was something that I kind of wanted to talk about. I had been doing a little bit of research and looking around and um, I just wanted to, you know, spin off a couple thoughts of modern day medicine here in America versus going and having treatment somewhere else. So, you know, some surgeries or some things like you can get a BBL, 360, lipo, all of that stuff done here for maybe 15000 But would you go to, say, Columbia for 6000 for the same thing? Um, I feel like we as Americans feel like we have the latest and greatest treatments and we're, you know, advanced in medicine and we're doing all these great things, but are we that ahead? Can you go somewhere and still get the same thing equally as good of a job is done for a lot cheaper price? Would you go somewhere else to get a procedure done for a cheaper price? What are the risks and benefits of it? So what's your thoughts, Nurse Dean? Um, as far as what? Number one, if you, like, let's just go with this BBL Lipo 360. Um, 15.5 here in the States versus 6.5 in Columbia. Would you go and everything was, like, all-inclusive? It included your uh, your stay there, your, what is it, your recovery period, your 14 days or whatever, all of the, everything you need to wear when you're done. What I, what I go overseas to get something done probably not um i just that's just me um i've heard i i don't know anyone personally that's gotten surgery 
or that 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 told me they got surgery people have gotten surgery and i just don't know um but i personally i don't know anybody that's gotten mm-hmm. surgery or that's gone overseas to get surgery or have gotten a procedure done overseas um and i think because i don't know anything about it um you know you can do your own research but i still don't want to be the guinea pig i don't want to be the my only like i'm the only person that knows of myself Mm-hmm. My only son. Um, and then you know, like you had Kanye mm-hmm. Mama issues. Uh, Tamika Foster, which is Usher's ex-wife, had issues. You know, what was wrong with Tamika? She Foster? almost died. She got she had surgery. She got some type of like cosmetic surgery done, and after she had the kids, and she was like on death's door, literally. So I don't think I would. But wasn't Kanye's mama right here in New York? No, Kanye Mama died over overseas. I thought Kanye's mom was right here. In the I room. could be wrong. I could totally be wrong, and I, I could too. You know, I don't hardly. I can't um, keep yeah, I, I, no, I wouldn't. I would not get. I would not go overseas to get surgery. Just personally. So do you? Um, okay, well, let me just start by saying I myself have had. I lived in Germany for a while. Um, I actually had a C-section over there. My second daughter was born in Germany, although it was at an American base. It was still quite Germanized um, in a sense of things. Now, there was a lot that went into me having her own base versus in the community. There was a lot that went into me trying for a VBAC versus um, actually having a cesarean. And I opted for the cesarean only because you feel that panic that I don't know nobody else that's done this over here. I don't know nobody else. Um, To have a child on the community... Number one, they wanted the entire hospital bill paid up front before you even had your child, whether you were going to have cesarean or a vaginal birth, um, including medications and everything. But medicine on that side of the world is totally different than medicine as we utilize it here uh, in our region. So they're a lot more holistic and naturalistic. They don't believe in a lot of the like same pain medicines we do, like the IV drugs and all of that. They don't hardly do none of that. You get like a couple ibuprofen, a couple Tylenol, and you lightweight on your way. Um, they still use like no, a lot of natural elements. So ice and stuff is used to help heal your scars and everything. So for me, I was like, no. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to just have this baby here on the base and have an American baby. It was still weird. Um, like the operating room. You just felt like wasn't an American operating room. The surgery, even once I had the surgery, and I ended up going for cesarean because I wanted a vaginal birth, but I was fearful that something would go wrong and I would need an emergency section. And I didn't think that they would be prepared just because there goes that thing again of you don't know, but it's kind of like I was stuck. And if I wanted to be with my family, that's where I needed to be. So after my Mm -hmm. C-section, you know how they drape you and... Once the drape is up over the mom, nobody can cross that line and go down. No, literally, they pulled my baby out. They took her down to the warmer, which was down by my toes. And then they said, hey, dad, come here. Come look. So my my husband literally got up and walked past my body to the baby, saw the baby, took pictures of the baby, turned a while while I'm still wide open and came back. And he was like, oh, yeah, she looks good. And I'm just like, this is so not American. And it was weird. But I think it was only weird because I was awake. I think had it been anything else, we don't know what they do to us in those operating rooms. So mm-hmm. having had that procedure done, my baby's fine, my baby's healthy. I had no issues with my incision. I had no issues with anything. If anything, I feel like 
more so over there, they pushed us to be stronger because my daughter was born and was only four pounds, 11 ounces. That baby here in America would have went right to the NICU and she probably spent some time in the NICU. You know, I think they don't send their babies home under a certain amount of pounds or I don't know. I, I have no idea. My kids, well, my oldest spent a little bit of time in the NICU, but I, that's never been my situation. Um, but I think for her weight, she would have gone to the NICU. Literally, when I put her out, when they put her out, they handed her to my husband and was like, here, Dad, take a bottle. We got to finish closing Mom up. Like, and sent him to the next room. It was like the oddest, strangest thing, but it was different. So then I'm hearing people talking about, um, like, BBLs and lipo and uh, veneers and um, even some bariatric surgeries and stuff overseas like Colombia, um, Dominican Republic. Um, I've heard some people going over to Dubai and the cost is a lot cheaper. So here in America, you know, we pay top dollar for everything because everything just has to be expensive. I'm just wondering, is it worth it to go somewhere else? Are we the only ones? I, I know for a fact we're not the only ones that's doing this in using modern medicine um but are we the best at it would you go somewhere else um i probably would like if i had a choice right now to save seven thousand dollars if i was going for that same bbl i asked you for a lipo 360 for 15.5 or 6.5 and the 6.5 includes the total package paid for recovery room recovery nurse and all of that like whatever 14 day stay you need after I'm going to save the money because that's a lot of money. That's almost $10,000. I think it's about personal preference and like what you're comfortable with and what you consider mm -hmm. safe and not safe and family dynamic dynamics and things like that. Cause you don't want to go overseas this by yourself, true. you know, this or out of the country by true. yourself. So I think it, I think it de depends on the person who's, who's getting the procedure done, what they're getting it for, what can, they can afford. It's a lot of factors that I think would go into making a decision versus to stay here or go out of the country. So um, I think people should definitely put a lot of thought and process and input. Yeah, do your um, own and research. Just kind like, of don't take my words for stone. Do your own research. Be your own person. Be your own advocate. Nobody's going to fight for yourself as much as you will. Um, just research as much as you can about it. And then don't turn a, a blind cheek like if you find something that's not good it's you it's usually pointed out for a reason and it's usually there for a reason so that might just be a sign and be like hey maybe that's not the best idea maybe i just need to keep saving but mm -hmm. i don't know i definitely would consider it i think um to save money and then i'm just thinking like here how you know, insulin or blood pressure medicines. It's people writing in that they can't get their insulin because their insurance doesn't cover it. And it's $75, $80 for a vial and they can't afford it. But somewhere like there, medicine is cheaper. You can get medicine for basic, practically little to nothing. Um, is it highway robbery? Like, are we doing an injustice as Americans to our communities because we're charging all of this money definitely things to think about um you know the whole epi pen a few yeah. years ago was a big issue um they were like upcharging for epi pens and 
it was like five. How much was it? It got to be like three hundred dollars for one pen or something. Um, I can't really remember like the specifics of it, but I do remember they love them like upcharging, and I want to say it was like one company that made that was the only ones making EpiPens, so they could because mm-hmm. it was a whole like, um, I can't think of what the, it's not consumer versus retailer, but like it's a monopoly, uh, consumer monopoly, um, maker monopoly. So like they're the only ones mm-hmm. making it, so of course they can, they can jack up the prices or fix the prices however they want. But that's to. messed up because it's people that really depend on the EpiPen to live and. Absolutely, you got kids and young adults and people in general who skip. I need an EpiPen, even though I don't carry it like I should. I need to. Mm-hmm. That's scary, just to know that that might be it, and you might be in a space with nobody to help you. Because the price is too much and you can't afford it. I think um, now I'm working in primary care and seeing a lot of people who really can't afford it and really don't have the means, it's getting sadder and sadder. I think the worst was the one patient that I had who was 50 years old, African-American. He had a stroke initially. It was a mini stroke. And he had no residual and they put him on meds, blood thinners, everything. And then he ran out of medicine because he lost his job, didn't have insurance, no way to cover his medicine. Literally was off mm-hmm. his medicines for like two weeks and had a massive stroke with insane residual to the point where he'll never be able to work again. Faces droop, bodies leaning to the side, like total basic, para- basically paralysis on the left side. And now like, it's like, what do you, what do you do with your life at that point? All because you couldn't afford medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. That stuff is just—it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Absolutely. That's why people go to Mexico or Canada to get medicine. A lot of yeah. older people take those trips. Um, those little videos and movies we see—those don't be lies. People really do go across the border to get medicine to survive. Yeah. A lot of people are on fixed incomes when they're older. Um, they can't afford it like that, or they don't have the insurance they had initially. So it can be a, a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And then you just stuck basically fighting for your life on your own. Again, you got to be your own advocate. But what do you do at that point? Like you need this medicine to live, but this medicine you can't afford. So then do you buy your medicine or do you buy dinner? Like, Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. All right. Well, I, I guess that was all I really wanted to talk about for that topic. Um just get your thoughts on it you guys feel free to write in and let us know your thoughts and feelings if you would if you would not why or why not Mm -hmm. uh you can hit us up at nursing sns at gmail.com also make sure to follow us like and subscribe we are on facebook at stethoscopes and suitcases as well as instagram same thing All right, and we have a question from Sandra. Um, The question reads, trying to stay positive, Penny, but I'm truly a nervous Nelly. Hey, ladies, my name is Sandra. I hope it's Sandra, not Sandra. I'm sorry if it is. And I'm from Arizona. I have finished nursing school and currently waiting to take boards. I'm so nervous in big caps. Um, What job as a new nurse is most recommended or easiest to get? I hear a lot of horror stories and don't want to get burned out before starting. Not sure where to go with nursing since it's a huge field, but I would, but I want to experience, but I want good experience too. Please help. I don't know what to do. Love the show, by the way, Sandra. 
Did you hear all that beeping in the background? Hey, Sandra girl. Oh, okay. I'm like, maybe, maybe she didn't. I'm like, maybe she didn't hear it. Yeah, that um, was me over here. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so what I would say, um, Sandra, um, I would don't know if I would say what is the easiest field um to get into because nursing. I don't care if you're working outpatient, if you're working home health, if you're working literally any anywhere you end the up, ones that we yeah. consider easier are like more laxed. They're not. Um, if someone's life is still in your hands, the smallest thing could trigger. If you don't tell somebody to take their medication in a primary care setting, that could end up leading them into the hospital. Yep. Um, I figure, I feel like you should find what works best for you. What do you like? Um, what field you kind of gravitated towards in, in nursing school? Um, if you didn't gravitate towards any of them, um, do you like people? This is honest questions. Do you not like people? Um, do you want to deal, be with hands on? Do you not want to be hands on? Do you like paperwork? Do you like paper charting? Do you like computer charting? Um, because if you work in certain aspects, there is still a lot of paper charting. There are some that have computer charting. Um, of course, everyone's going to give you the generic go to med surgeon start. Um, but if you have no, if you have no, um, I just feel like you need to think back to what started you up, you know, in nursing. You went to nursing school for a reason. It wasn't like you were forced or maybe you were. And I'm sorry, but for a lot of people, nursing is a calling and you do it for a reason. And I think you need to delve deep into what brought you here and what got you this far. Mm-hmm. And nursing school is the hardest thing I feel like I've ever done in my life. And why you continue with that struggle? Why you pushed on? Why did you finish school? Why are you not eligible to take your boards? Um, I feel like you need to get back to that and figure. She didn't say she wasn't eligible. No, no, I said, said why you done. are wh- figure. Go back to the point to why you are eligible to take your boards. Oh, okay, yeah. Like okay, what okay, got gotcha. you this far? Why are you doing all of this anyways? And start from there. Um, do some self introspection and look at yourself and see. What type of nurse you would want to be, what type of nurse you would want to provide, what type of nurse you would want to have for yourself, and see where that setting leads you. I mean, um, everybody does mm-hmm. tell you, like, mid-surge. To start, I started in a nursing home, and it was some of the best experience I ever had. Um, it teaches you crazy time, time management. It teaches you multitasking. It teaches you all, all sorts of stuff. And so, for me, taking on that capacity of patient load once I was able to take on four patients from 40, it was a piece of cake. But it's everybody has their own road, and it's to each its own. So. Yep, yep, yep. Absolutely. So just figure out, I think the best advice we can give you right now is to focus on your test, first of all. Focus on your NCLEX. Pass that. Yeah. And then... um you just finished school. Unless you really, really got to work, take some time for yourself. Kind of focus on you. You have not, you for the last two or four years, you have not really focused on you. You've been like in grind mm-hmm. mode. So I would take some time and just focus on you. Take your test, um, spend some time with family, and then start looking for your nursing job. Um, maybe even ask a lot of places like that you think you may want to work to shadow. You know, as long as you sign their HIPAA documentation, they should let you shadow a place. It's, a, it's very right. expensive to hire somebody. It takes about a year and a half for, them, for a company to recoup the money that they spent to hire you. So I always say, is this honestly is best um, to when you go into a job, like don't go in there like, oh, I'm just here until I get another job. Like no job should be your bridging, your your your, your 
your bridging gap or your 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 pathway or whatever to the next job unless it's like hey i like this job but hey i think i may say something that's better you don't go into a job like oh, i'm just taking it just right. to take it because i need a job right now with that as yeah. your intention yeah so um focus on your inclex fine do all of that good stuff self-care and then figure out while you're while you're practicing for your inclex figure out what you like about nursing do you like the education portion do you like administering medications do you like the research portion of it? Because people always assume you have to go in to do patient care. You could be a research nurse. You could be the next person to figure That's out not the case. how Absolutely. we figure cancer, how we can figure out just to maybe yeah, they go in ham in New York, figure out some, some ways Sorry, to, uh, you know, combat cancer or whatever. But I feel like the best thing for you, honestly, is to figure out like nurse C said, why you went into Take nursing and figure out what your yeah. calling, what your true calling is. If you like kids, go to kids. If you like babies, go that way. If you like geriatric, older people, see the older people. You'll figure it out, though. I don't know that I've ever just met somebody who's like, I love geriatric. I know two nurses, actually. Mm-hmm. Really? My um, well, my old, old dance coach, her daughter's a nurse, and she, she just loves gerontology. She's like, I think they're just so cute. She just loves it. Some people... Well, there you go, Sandra. It's something it for everybody. Something it's just like everyone. a woman and a man. It's, it's somebody for everybody. It's something out there for you, and you did this Absolutely. for a reason. So don't doubt yourself. Just keep pushing forward. Great luck on your tests. Absolutely. Uh, wish you the best of luck with that. <laughs> All right. And it's positive penny time. Um, I'll go first this week. Um, positive this week. Uh, so I had a patient who came in, and they were getting service for themselves, and in while getting service for themselves, we were just talking, and he's like, you know, how do I, how can I get my mom to get the same thing that I got? And I was like, well, you know, she's not an employee of this this organization, so she can't get it. But I'll give you a recommendation. So as we're talking more and more, and like I feel like a lot of times we tend to over talk a lot of patients, or we tend to kind of finish their sentences, and that's not what they what they mean. So. I made it a point to like let him like speak and you know do all this stuff. So when I did, I was able to get a clear understanding. Like his mom wanted the the COVID swabs. He had people in their house, whatever. So I'm like, all right, I got an understanding. You want your mom to get the COVID swabs? Swab swab. He like, yeah. So I'm like, all right, cool. Then it comes out. He's like, no, I actually want her just to get the vaccine. So I didn't explain all of this. How to make make sure she can get the swab done. So now she needs the vaccine. But it, we end up finding that out, too. Like, she can go to the Center for Aging or the, the, the Department for Aging. So we just had to, like, like literally, like, kind of, like, even though I was, like, trying to be a good listener and be, like, um, an active listener, um, even though I listened and I heard and I interpreted correctly, the messenger wasn't correct. But we were able to find out how she could get the vaccine because, um, mm-hmm. you know, you got to be, like, 65 and older, um and have like uh, be on the list basically and her mom wasn't on the list and I was like why not put her on the list well I don't know how to put her on the list all right well let's get her a, a, a caseworker in in the department and they can figure it out so he was very grateful um it was cool hopefully she gets her vaccine hopefully she wants it and it's not just him saying he wants to give it give it to her hopefully she actually wants it but we should we'll see we will see that was dope I'm sure he appreciated you for the um 
because it's hard and these things are still flying like hotcakes. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, here in New York, they're a lot more lax on the rules. Anybody here in the, uh, in the city, age of 16 and up, is now eligible wow. to receive the vaccine. So there is no more categories. We're filing, we're doing appointments left and right. We actually have up here in the clinic, um, I got two options for you. I can either send you for like a Johnson and Johnson and we're doing those up here, or I can schedule you for like a Pfizer downstairs and get you put in same day to get your vaccine. Wow. So if I see you in clinic and you haven't had your vaccine, I can send you to either of those places and get you set up. A lot of the people opt for the Johnson and Johnson because it's just a one shot. But um, when we run out of the Johnson and Johnson, they still don't mind going downstairs because people were having such a hard time and with it being so overpopulated up here it's hard getting in mm-hmm. and so if you're at the doctor it's the easiest place yeah but um what's your positive my positive my positive for the week is i had this one patient and i had seen her i think this was my third time seeing her and she's coming in for blood pressure and every time um the last two times i seen her you have to give her a minute. When she comes in, her blood pressure is always elevated. She tells me, like, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Like, she's scared of the doctor. She's scared of being here. She brings in her cuff. I calibrate it. Everything's working fine and makes me to believe that her numbers at home are true numbers at home. Um, and then you take it here and you get 167 over 96. And it's like, huh. So you give her a minute and wait. So what happened today was somebody else actually picked her up. And I just so happened to be walking down the hallway and the nurse was heading out the room to preset the case with the doctors and they were getting ready to actually increase her medicine. And she's just like screaming like, no, no, nursey, nursey. And I turned around, I was like, hello, like what the heck? So she was like, please, please come, come. So she had me bring the other nurse in and literally she caught me like right in the nick of time. Thank God I didn't have to go to the bathroom because I'd have been like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. But um, I was able to explain. She was like, tell her, tell her. It was somewhat of a language barrier. I'm not sure if it was anything else, but the nurse wasn't understanding and wasn't trying to, like you said, Nurse D, we want, we're want we so quick to get these patients in here, get through their visit, get them out of here, next person. And she wasn't trying to take heed to what the lady was trying to mm-hmm. tell her and listen and so she luckily she found me she was like um basically i i'm not gonna say i did it better but all it takes is five minutes to stop and listen absolutely so i give them five minutes of quiet in the room absolute quiet i'll shut the door and we'll just sit here and stare at each other and then you run our blood pressure again and you get one i think it was like 126 over 82 which was under her goal so that's huge especially in a setting like this because mm-hmm. we're the only people that the patients are seeing and we're about to uptitrate her meds because you didn't want to give her five more minutes to allow her to calm down and get her blood pressure under control. So that was my. It wasn't for like in the is, nursing notes. Like I'm confused. Like why? Like are we not reading? Like why are we not looking at trends? Be like, you know how like we doc. Okay, so we document blood pressures in the computer in Epic, and then if it's high, we'll put yeah. a note and say we'll recheck in so and so minutes. We don't delete them. No, listen, they don't. So what I do for my patients, um, if it's super high. Or if I actually you haven't taken your pills, I won't always put that first one in. I'll always give you a fair chance and give you the second one. The second one's still hiding. All right, it's a wrap. I'm putting them both in. But if the second one is that you've calmed down and that's how you're telling me and that's how we're teaching here, go ahead and do away with the first one if you were nervous or you're getting yourself settled and then report the second one, then I'll put that one in. But I can tell you, everybody around here don't operate like I do. All my notes was in there clear as day. Did the nurse read my notes? I can't tell you what she did. But I do know she was on her way to go up the lady's medicine and that would have been 
uh, counterproductive for her because when she's really relaxing, you can get them on this higher dose of medication. She's going to bottom out, and then you're going to be wondering, like, what's wrong with her? Mm-hmm. And you did it, and all it takes is literally five minutes. Yep, absolutely. Well, I'm glad Nurse C was there to save the day. A little bit, a little bit. All right, well, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Um, thanks for tuning in. With another episode of Stethoscopes and Suitcases. Be sure to follow us and, I guess... Like, comment, subscribe to our Instagram and Facebook page at Stethoscopes and Suitcases and write all your questions, concerns, comments, and, uh, and praises, I guess, to nursingsns at gmail.com. Until next time. Until bye. next time, bye.